Good morning, Rock Bible Church. I'm a little worried about you. You're starting to socialize in the break like we used to socialize prior to the pandemic. It feels like we're almost getting back to normal. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We are compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. Amen? It's been a month since I've been able to say that or be up here or preach. Um, thank you, Brent, Bryce, Mark, Tyler, those that filled in. Uh, while well, I had the vid, it tried to get me, but you'll never get me, Kappa. So uh, it's it's great to be back. It's been a month since I've been here, and I have been going through withdrawals, which I think was worse than the virus. Um, so I'm very excited to be back. Uh, I hope that comes out in your experience this morning. Um, but I do want to thank uh, so many people who covered. Um, Uh, namely Bryce Turner. Uh, he has a superhero cape. No one's seen it, but it's there. And so I just want to make sure that I said that publicly um, before we get going. Uh, and we are continuing our series in the book of James this morning. I know uh, it's been a little while. Yes, we're still in the book. We're going to finish the second half of um, chapter three and uh, and keep moving. And um, I would love for you to join with me and um, whoever took out the front row, this is amazing because I'm going to be able to go all over the place. And somebody knew he's going to have too much energy and be too excited this morning. Uh, let's pray because uh, you can't do anything but pray until you've prayed. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thank you for uh, healing. Lord, we think of so many of our close friends uh, who are with virus right now, Lord, and um, some even in the hospital, we, we pray for their healing in every way. Thank you so far for what you have done and those you have healed. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the small comparison of what you did on the cross. You healed us all and gave us all the opportunity at health, freedom, and a life abundant. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would remember that you are in control of all things. Uh, thank you for the times that we get to be on the team, in the front lines, accomplishing. And then, Lord, thanks for the times where you put us on the bench, ask us to rest or heal. And may we remember always that you cause all things to work together for good for those who are called according to your purpose. And so, Lord, to that end, may our time this morning work toward your purpose. Attention to you, understanding of you, Lord, wisdom in you. Actually, we're going to read this morning from that. And we pray it would honor and magnify your son. That would be led by your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, only six verses, um, but please take the only out of that sentence. Uh, six verses, kind of jam-packed a little bit. We're going to go a couple directions with it, but as always, as every Sunday, uh, we will never cover the whole of a passage. Amen? Uh, and that's why we could do books over again in the church, because we'll catch stuff the second time that we missed the first. Uh, let's see what we can catch today. Um, James chapter 3, verse 13. Uh, Who is wise and understanding among you? Well, that's a rough question. <laughs> Why is it rough, right? The insecurity in all of us is screaming, wait, am I not wise? Wait, do I? I want to be wise. I want to be understanding. Um, uh, good news for those of us that are nervous about this. Apparently, it's possible. No reason to ask the question if it were impossible. But James poses the question, who's wise and understanding among you? Assuming that some of us are, or some of you are. Maybe I shouldn't say us. Um, here's, here's the rough part, though. There's, there's the other side of our crowd who says, oh, yeah, that's, I'm in that crowd. Mm, maybe not. Not so fast is the answer to whatever you're thinking. If he asks that question, they say, are you wise and understanding? And he says, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Not so fast. You just might be. And for those of you who say to yourself, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a lot of stuff put together. I've got some answers. I mean, I've lived a while. I've had some experience. Not so fast. You may not be. Um, it puts us in a great, hopefully, permanent condition of question. I need not label myself. Well, you know, I'm not wise and understand. Never have been, probably never will be. I'm a simple man and I'm just going to live my life that way. No. God wants more for you. And for those of us who say, oh, you know, I pretty much have my act together. I've done pretty well. And I mean, look at my family, look at my business, uh, look at, you know, health. You know, God wants more for you than the set answers in your little box you have. Um, and what would it be like to explore that? Tis the question and the idea that um, James is putting us on. We should listen to him. He grew up with a pretty incredible brother, right? Um, that would be Jesus. Most scholars believe James to be the half-brother of Jesus, so... Um, by his good conduct, okay, who's wise and understanding, man, do you? Uh, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. By his good conduct, that's one, let him show his works, that's two. Uh, what is he emphasizing here? Wisdom and understanding, we tend to think that happens up here, right? For those of you looking at verses on, on, online, I'm emphasizing my head. We think that this is where wisdom and understanding happen. Where does James think it happens? How you act, how you speak, where you go, where you spend your money, what you avoid, what you abstain from. Those you choose to spend your time with, those you converse with, the voices that you listen to. It's about action for him. He says, good conduct. And works. 
says, hey, if you're smart, you wise, show it. Really, I, for me, this feels like him saying, act like it. Now, I want to draw you into a subtle theme that's going to grow and grow and then overwhelm by the end of this. Okay? Uh, wise and understanding, we think it happens here. James says, no, it comes out in your actions. Show it. Act like it. Let me ask you this. His good conduct... Who's that effect? Who's that for? I know we're at church. You're going to say God. Okay, good. Who else? Well, it's for us because, you know, it's he, we're the ones supposed to conduct ourselves. Yes. Okay. Good conduct affects who else? Others. Remember neighbors? Pretty sure it's in like the top commandment from Jesus himself. I'm not talking about the Exodus chapter 20 list or whatever in the mountain and the people and the golden calf, all that. No, no, no. I'm talking about Jesus said, um, let's just sum them all up. Neighbors is in that great commandment, right? Love your neighbor. Uh, is good conduct do that? Let me ask you this. Show his works. Show them to who? Who are we showing? I mean, you might be showing yourself, oh, I am capable of being good. I am capable of acting on my faith. But Show his works for me feels like something other people can see, experience, take a picture of. Hey, this is Scott serving in Mexico. This is Scott serving by bringing in donations to the local mission food bank, which, by the way, uh, we emptied the bucket this week. Game on. Fill it again, all right? Um, but then it says this, in the meekness of wisdom, meekness of wisdom, I thought wisdom was like something you could be proud of, bring you confidence, willingness to act. Where's me meekness? What is meekness? Well, gee, Scott, we don't really use that word anymore. <laughs> That's kind of like an old word. Yeah, meekness is a little humility, a little gentleness. You know, it's impossible to be uh, humble by yourself. Go, go be by yourself and then try to be humble. Like, find a room, lock yourself in it, no one else there, try to be humble, right? Is humility something you can do by yourself? No. Is it a benefit to others? See the theme building? What about gentleness? Be gentle with yourself. In that same room, lock yourself, try to be gentle with yourself. Calm? Now, you might be able to do that for yourself. But being peaceable, humble, gentle, calm, serving, who do those generally affect? Other people. Kind of weird um, in a good way. Uh, James asked a question we think is focused on us. It really might be focused on other people. Who's wise and understanding among you? And how does it affect other people? Is wisdom for you or is wisdom for others? Good news. We're going to find out today. Look at the top of your outline. It says James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. And then it says, pure 
wisdom. James is going to teach us about pure wisdom. And I think one of the things we want to make sure you catch in the first verse is that it affects others as much as it does yourself. When we started this, I know it was a long time ago, and we had a little break in there because God put me on timeout. <laughs> um, I, I tried to sell, sell you on this a couple months ago. This book, maybe more than any other book, really comes after you. It speaks very little to other people or rules for general. or to, It comes after you individually. James is an experiential kind of Christian. But I, I need us to see that when you start maturing in your Christianity, it will absolutely put everyone else in the splash zone, right? They're gonna, they will be affected. They will see it because you're showing it. They'll, they'll benefit. Verse 14, look down in your Bibles or look up at the screen. Uh, but if you have bitter jealousy, who, uh, who does bitter jealousy affect? You, of course, right? Jealous of who? There has to be another person involved for jealousy to happen, right? And selfish ambition. Are other people involved in selfish ambition? I mean, selfish ambition, that's just about you, right? Yes. And I baited you, and now I'm going to sideswipe you, okay? Who else is eliminated when you do selfish? All others, right? Okay, so that it does affect them, right? And ambition, you're headed in a direction, but it's your direction, right? What about the direction other people are headed in? Even better question, what about the direction that God has someone else headed in? Ooh, and what if they're really slow at getting there? And we say, well, then they're like Scott, right? Um, what if God has them slow on purpose? You notice this? Like the kids uh, lately in my world, uh, they got their electronic device, phone type things, whichever one, and they've got a setting. And for a while, like the cool thing was, I'm going to take a video in slow motion. Hey, Dad, check this out. <laughs> I'm watching a really slow video. Why? Speed it up. It's too slow. I didn't got time for this, right? But there was some value in it for them. I failed to see it, but there's value for them. Uh, what if God did that with people? What if God does that with people? Or how about this? God does that with people, right? Eliminate a couple words and we get closer to the truth maybe. Um, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts. Ooh, that's where it starts. Interesting, we've gone from our brain down to our heart, right? Wisdom and understanding, boom. Where's, it, where's that go sideways? It gets generated from a desire or a passion out of here that comes up and, and trumps it. That's how you get in trouble. Uh, do not boast and be false to the truth. Fastest way for you uh, to become arrogant, prideful, and off base is for you to start chasing your own passions and desires and throw logic out the window. And one of the great measures is how is it affecting the people around you? Are they saying, oh, I really like them because they're meek. 
I know nobody says that, right? They would say, oh, I really like them because they're nice. When I'm around them, I always feel like I have their attention. You know, they're not looking at their phone when we're together. They respond to me. Or do they say other things? Yeah, I was with them for a while. I'm not sure they knew I was there. You've been in one of those meetings? And you come out of the meetings like, I'm not sure that other person was there. Right? I, I know very little about you. I know I can be that guy. If I'm not careful, I can sit in a meeting and my mind can spin on other things. And the stuff that's important to me in my heart can come and take over that meeting. There could be five other people in the room and I'm not there. Ask the staff. We'll have discussion in staff meeting. And two minutes later, I'll say, wait, what? What were we talking about? Like, where were you? I, I was off. But we can do that spiritually. We can do that mentally. We can do that with our heart. And if we let it happen often enough, what's it say? You become boastful or prideful and you're, and you're false to the truth. One, one of the most decreasing commodities in our culture today is truth. It's gone for the most part. Try to, try to get a, a production, a presentation from any type of media source and tell me how much you think you're actually getting truth. And how many different sources would you need to get and compare to really feel like you have some semblance of the truth? Our, our, our culture, not interested in that in, anymore. Why? Because they've been, become prideful and selfishly ambitious and they've thrown out the truth. Why? They got their own agenda. Watch any media presentation. They are biased, period. I don't care which side you're on, as long as you're on Jesus' side. Well, I thought you were going political. Nope. I don't care about politics. I care about Jesus, right? That's what we should be. That's not true. I do care about politics. But I'm trying to recover. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. What? This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. There's a wisdom that doesn't come from God? What? Shouldn't, shouldn't that like negate itself? If it doesn't come from God, it wouldn't be wisdom? Well, according to James, James very practical guy. I'm hoping that we're hanging out in heaven. He, he seems like my kind of dude, right? Watch this. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly. There's an earthly wisdom. Makes sense to everybody else. Well, do other businesses do it? Yeah. One of my least favorite arguments in the church. Well, you know, all these best practices at all these other businesses, they do this. You know, the church would really do that too. No. We're in a different business, folks. Every other business on the planet, what's their number one goal? Some people are rubbing their fingers together. Some people are saying money. Some people are scared because I asked the question at church and they don't want to answer out loud. Right? Money, 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 money. Just play the music if we were that organized. We're not in that business, folks. We're not in the business of looking good. Being smarter than everybody. We're not. What's our business? People. God is our business, right? 
If uh, that guy, Mark, with the white hair was still here, he'd say, Jesus, Jesus is our business. Yeah. We've got to start figuring out what that is rather than the earthly wisdom. Why? Earthly wisdom will make us proud and take us false from the truth. It will help us pursue selfish ambition. And here's the scary part. It could get us to the point where we boast and we think we're good at it. Have you ever met somebody who thought they were good at something and, and... you're with them for like 12 seconds, and you're like, mm, no. And you're wondering, in 12 seconds, I can figure this out. How come they can't see it? Because they're chasing earthly wisdom. Here's the maybe more scary one. It's, it's earthly, unspiritual. Well, it's not spiritual. You mean it's not religious? No, no, no. Let's, let's like get super simple, right? Kindergarten. Let's take the un and the you all off is not led by the Spirit. The Spirit is leading somewhere else. And you're like, hey, Spirit, hey, uh, sounds good. Have fun. Uh, I'm going to go do my own thing for a while. I'll catch you later. There is a path that leads to destruction. What the Bible says about that path that leads to destruction? It says it makes sense to men. There's a path that men think makes sense and it ends and leads to destruction. Why? Because it's earthly and it's void of the Spirit. One of the greatest questions you can ask when, about before you're about to go do your good conduct or show your works is ask the question, Where's the spirit in this? What's the priority of God? What would Christ, what would Jesus do? I mean, a little, remember those little rubber uh, bracelets they had? WWJD. As corny as it was, it's spot on. I'm going to go be involved in the church. What does Jesus want for me in that? Where's the spirit leading with that? Hey, I'm going to take um, some time and I'm going to go invest in this other thing. What's the Spirit doing in that? Hey, I'm going to go help somebody. What's the Spirit want for them? Because I'll be honest, folks. Most every environment I walk into, I got ideas about what I want. It was one of the biggest battles in my life. Biggest battles in my life are not you. They're not my kids, although they're competing for first place. Uh, Definitely not Julie. She's bordering on Savior side rather than battle side. No, one of the greatest battles of my life is with myself. Recognizing when I'm off up here, off, off, off here, and <gasps> spirit somewhere else. That's super dangerous. Super dangerous. Um, and then lastly, it says demonic. What? How do we get demonic out of this? Let me just quickly. Satan's goal, demon's goal, for your life is what? Most people say, oh, to worship Satan, do the little seance things and draw symbols on the ground and burn candles and be really weird and wear dark clothes. No. No. Number one agenda for the evil realm is for you to start following you. Psalm 
I am way score, more scared of myself. I am more scared of myself than I am of demons or Satan. God made me a promise. Nothing can separate me from the love that is in Christ Jesus. And then he made me another promise. There is only one unforgivable sin, and that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You get to choose. You follow God or you don't, and he will honor both decisions. Ouch! That scares me. Why? Because that means I can't blame a demon. I can't blame Satan. I can't blame my parents or where I grew up with or what my childhoods were like or my fear of what might happen in the future. If I make a decision, my poverty or my wealth, my health, I have zero excuses. What happens between me and God happens here and here. Spouse can't even control it. Amen. Uh, Because the good news in that, the happy Sunday in that is, you have the opportunity to make the right choice. You can be wise and understanding, and you can act like it. Follow the Spirit. This is great stuff. Great stuff. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, jealousy affects who again? I already said, selfish ambition affects others, right? There will be disorder. Oh, things will just get a little messy. No big deal. We'll fix it. No. And every vile disorder leads to every vile practice. Well, I'm sure we can just taste the fruit. No. And the thing that gets me about the garden in Genesis chapter 3, that like very beginning, they had one rule. They had one rule. I wish I had just one rule that I had to follow. It would be so much better, right? Shoot, I can't even figure out how to do the math thing, depending on which environment I am or which county I'm in or which city I'm in, if I'm indoors or I'm outdoors or which crowd am I with or whatever. Oh. One rule. Broke that world. Um, where'd that lead? Every vile practice. Um, do we get murder right, uh, from that? Yeah, within a chapter. We get sexual promiscuity, selfishness, all kind war, fighting. Uh, yes, it all. Can't even get out the first book. There's a progression. Where's the good news in that? There's a progression. There's also another progression. See, here's the bad news. You're on progression. Did you know this? Your middle name should be progression or progressive. I don't know. Should we be doing a commercial for insurance right now? I don't know. Um, You're going to progress one direction or the other. I love what they do in, in some of the 12 step programs. They talk about you got an, a good angel and a demon on your shoulder, or you got the red dog or the blue dog or whatever. They got the two. And they say, well, which one's going to win in the fight? The one you feed the most. You have to pick which progression you're on. You can progress towards God. Amazing. I talked to a guy on the phone uh, this week for about 45 minutes that has been following the Lord for decades. 
and he's telling me fun story after fun story after fun story. And he says to me at one point, I'm waiting for like the shoe to drop. I'm like, at some point, something's going to go wrong. Things seem to be going so well right now. I just ask him, er, could this be the blessing of the Lord in your life for a system that actually works and you've been faithful over time and God just wants to bless you? How about that? It's so funny how resistant we are to the idea that God and his system work. I mean, we can't even get out of a garden with one rule without messing it up, right? There will be disorder and every vile practice. You know this to be true because within six seconds on your phone, you could find it, right? But watch this. Here's the, here's the alternative, verse 17. But the wisdom from above, ooh, there are two types of wisdom, there's the earthly wisdom down here, and there's the wisdom from above, right? Which is from who? Say it out loud. Okay, good. All right, we're all here. Uh, the wisdom from above is first, what? Pure. Look at the top of your outline. James chapter 3, verse 13, verse through 18. What kind of wisdom does it say? Pure wisdom. God's wisdom is pure wisdom. Now, that's good news because it makes it really easy to pick which one is the good one. There's the earthly wisdom or there's the pure wisdom. Super simple. Put a kindergartner in a room, which wisdom's better? Well, the pure one. Good. It says first, pure. Now, underline that or write that word down because we're going to come back to it after we get through this list. First is pure, right? So what's coming next? Second and third, and fourth, right? So we're going to go through this progression. When we get to the end, I want to come back and revisit pure because I think I, wa I want to I sideswipe you again, okay? But the wisdom from above, above is first pure, then peaceable. We talked about meekness early. If you're peaceful, does that help your relations with the Lord? Yes. Does it help you? Yes. But who else does it help? You, I mean, kind of hard to be peace, you're promoting peace by yourself in that room, right? Peaceable, great measure of your actions. Is it bringing peace or is it bringing chaos? Peace or pain? Peace or doubt? Peace or fear? Peace or disunity, right? Gentle. God's wisdom is gentle. Pure wisdom is gentle. Um, who's gentle towards? That one's not about you. That is about how you approach others. That's straight about others. And it's about you because it's a question of your character. Are you a gentle person? How do people come out of their interactions with you? Right? Gentle. Um, open to reason? <laughs> what is that? I ain't never seen that before. <laughs> Open to reason, like that's the most uncommon thing today. You, you're, you've heard of these guys, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, all these guys, right? You know, like half their writings, they're not sure which one wrote them. They just know that they came from that group. They were all like mentors of each other and the whole thing. You know what? I think one of the greatest things that came out of them is that a sign of a maturity 
is the ability to enter, entertain an idea without having to accept it. I was in a meeting this week. We presented options. Options. No decision had been made. And the couple freaked out. One of the couples. Like 10 people in a meeting. We want to have a discussion. Thursday night. And just in, we presented three options, and they freaked out. What was it about? One, they thought a decision had made. Two, they thought it was going to be detrimental to them. Like, no, you get to decide. Let's think about the reasons behind this. What are the options? Can you entertain something outside yourself? If you're open to reason, who are you listening to? Someone else. Folks, could be one of the greatest practices for your practice of following the Lord. Because following the Lord is listening to something outside of yourself. It's kind of hard for most of us to listen to God or follow God, the direction he's going. I know I just said, where's the spirit leading? It's like, oh, oh you didn't tell me. I got a telegram or something? But it's super easy for us to follow someone else, listen to someone else for a bit. And in that practice, you're changing your character as a person who's willing to take outside influence. Absolutely affects other people. Uh, full of mercy. Mercy towards who? Other people, right? Are you a merciful person? Well, yeah, it's a statement about you, but who's it affect? Other people. And good fruits. To share with other people, right? What are you producing? Impartial towards other people, okay? And then sincere. Go, go in that room again. Lock yourself in that room. Try to lie to yourself. Or be sincere with yourself. What's that practice like? Um, Scott, I think we're wasting time. Yes. Put another person in that room. Lie to them or tell them the truth. And watch those experiences be polar opposites. Do you tell the truth? Folks, nothing could set us apart more from culture today in, in current culture than if we're just truthful and sincere. If we start doing these things. You know, you know what people will say? They might not say, oh, Fred's got wisdom and understanding. But they might say, you know, there's something different about them. They're pretty smart. They got a lot of experience. I like his ideas on things. Great opportunity for us. James says it's possible to be wise. I used to think why I wasn't. Wise and I weren't friends for a long time wasn't sure what it really meant. And I grew up with a bad connotation for wise because my dad had this little rhyme when I would get in trouble. He would say, don't get wise, bubble eyes, or I'll knock you down to peanut size. I was like, gosh, I don't want to be wise. 
took me years to figure out wise was a good thing. I thought wise got you in trouble. But, you know, that's why we take English classes to learn vocabulary definitions, right? Um, we do want to head that direction. Um, and then I said we're going to come back and look at pure. When I say pure wisdom, uh, because I read what James wrote that said, he says comes down from above, you think of pure wisdom. What does pure do to wisdom? What is defined by that word pure that you would use as a descriptor for, for wisdom? You would say wisdom is pure. That means the wisdom is what? You might say true, logical, spiritual. There's a lot of righteous. There's some great... Christian words that we've used for it. Here's my question, my wonder, my challenge. Based on the list, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere, that all affect other people, is pure wisdom mean that it's wisdom that benefits others? The part of the definition of pure in that is beyond just being truthful, it benefits others. And I would further the argument and say, uh, truthful and benefit to others could never be separated. They are actually a combo meal that can never be parted. Right? Um, for, for me, pure has always been, oh, it's, it's like the truth. It's the God's honest truth. Yeah, James says, mm, there's more depth to it. Yes. It's God's truth. Yes, it works. And yes, other people will see it and benefit from it. And you could be a blessing and have influence and start compelling others to Christ. Tied in the purpose statement there. And then, and then verse 18. This is kind of weird, right? 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, go to your English class, submit that as an answer, you get an F on that, right? You use one thing to define itself, to answer itself. Well, you sown it in peace because you're one who makes peace. Why this weird sentence at the end? Is this a summary? In your writing classes, you know, you got a, you got a projection, you make your argument, and at the end, you, right? Closing arguments, right? Summarize. Is this the effect? If you're wise and understanding, spirit-led, you're acting like it, you're benefiting others, verse 18 will be the result. You will have a harvest of righteousness. Man, that sounds like Christianese church phrase that no one on the street would ever say. <laughs> you want to have some fun this week? Just ask some random, hey, have you ever had a harvest of righteousness? See how that goes. What are you talking? They'll run. Okay. <clears throat> so you might be discerning as to who you ask. This is the result. Righteousness can come out of how you conduct yourself. You can sow peace. I can't change anybody. Mm, no, you can. Our culture does marketing, aggression, 
confrontation, spin, neglect, agenda, talking points. Well, it's trying to get what we need for our side. Mm. What if you did what was best for the other side? Wow, it's a foreign concept. Mm. Foreign concept. Kind of over almost Middle East, east side of the Mediterranean, little foreign area over there where a guy got up on a cross and said, I'm going to do something that's best for you or someone else. What a great foreign concept. Um, what if we made it ours? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. All right. Uh, let's, let's get through this. Um, first, first thing I want us to see from this on your outline, fill-ins, is pure wisdom comes down from above. Makes it really clear in verse 15. Uh, James says, first, wisdom that comes down from above is pure. Where's wisdom come from? Don't say from above. Red church, ask the question. General answer is God, right? Jesus had to get wisdom from God to make sense of what he had to do on the cross, right? Hey, uh, can we have this cup pass from me, God, but not my will, but your will be done? Where does wisdom come from? It comes from God the Father, period. If anybody's selling you something, they're selling you something. Logic, truth, a system that works, hope, future, they all, all good things come from heaven above, from the Father of lights, right, in whom there is no shifting shadow. He doesn't change that kind of thing. It comes from God. That means who has been precluded, eliminated, wiped out as a potential source for wisdom? GT. She's not a source, Right? Christine is not a source. Anybody who ever stands on this stage, not a source of wisdom. You are not a source of wisdom. You can make sense of it. But of the full picture, how much of it do you get to see? What percentage of, of all the pieces in the puzzle, how many do you have and get to play with? Some. The technical right answer is not enough. We think that if we get more information or enough answers, we'll be okay. It's never worked for me. 20 plus years ago, I came up with a phrase, it's a core value for me. I want to have more questions than answers. Write it down. And then put, Scott might have stumbled onto something here. Have more questions than answers. When you have more answers than questions, no one wants to be around you except for the guy who thinks he can prove to you that he has more answers than you do. That's called an argument. It's no fun. I'm bored. What's for dinner? That's just the way it works. Wisdom comes from one place, period. Uh, give me Jeremiah. Look, look what Jeremiah says. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't boast in what you think you know. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Don't tell me what you're capable of or what certifications you have or what mountain you've climbed. I don't care if you've been to the top half dome twice and stuck your head over the edge. It's nothing. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Your money can be taken from you like 
that. Reference any crash that's ever happened and the one that's coming. There's a crash coming? Someday. That was not a prediction. Anybody who stands on this stage is not a source of wisdom. I don't know when anything of that's going to happen. I'm just saying at some point, there'll be a crash. Why? It's the pattern. Right? But, verse 24, let him who boasts, boast. <gasps> We're allowed to boast. I love, when I figured this out, um, a little uh, behind the curtain, I've always been overly confident. I don't know if you've picked that up a little bit, maybe. I've battled with ego, pride. Um, Dad knocked me down to peanut size a few times. Uh, God did it even more in bigger ways. Uh, Mom was gentler, but it hurt more sometimes. But I've always been fairly confident. I always love boasting. And when I started going to church and I met this guy named Jesus, Todd's fault, those of you at second service last week met him. I can't boast anymore. I, no pride. Confidence is even in question now. Then I got to this verse. Oh, you're allowed to boast. What? What's the topic? Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Thus says the Lord. Now, that is highly coordinated and synced with the fact that I went into the ministry and studied scripture and God and the whole thing. Why? It's the only thing I could boast in. And I, I want to be proud of something. Right? Can't be proud of my height or my hair, a lot of other things. But the more I can know and understand God, is that really a boast? Or is it a confidence in your design, your value, where you're headed, who your maker is? We can trust in that. That's what Jeremiah said. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love towards others, justice towards others, righteousness in the earth for others to experience. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. You know what? Great, great summary of everything that we're talking about. James asked the very first question, who is wise and understanding among you? God says, don't boast in anything. But what are you doing towards others? And then he says this thing, in these things I delight. Who are you making happy? Making yourself happy? You're trying to make yourself happy? You're pursuing happiness? Or are you pursuing the things that make God smile? You can have an agenda. You can be earthly smart. You can be effective. And find yourself alone. Because it doesn't work. What are you doing towards God and others? Give, uh, give me James. James says it this way. You know, this is how the whole book starts. You know how we started this whole book? James says, hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to others, to all without reproach, and it will be given him. We talked about two wisdoms this morning. Which kind of wisdom is he saying he'll give you? Doesn't say. Just says wisdom. Later, Paul parses it out and says there's two types of wisdom. Here's my fear, folks. If you want to be wise on earthly terms and unspiritual terms that border on demonic, God will give it to you. 
You want to make a decision to go the other direction? God will let you. One of the greatest things about our theology is God gives us choice. Is he in control of all things? Absolutely. We believe in the sovereignty of God at all times, in all things. But for some reason, he said, choose this day whom you'll serve. What do you want to do? Oh, you want to chase the world? Have fun. Hope to see you later. Ouch. Or you can ask God for pure wisdom and I'll give it to you. Amen? Pure wisdom comes down from above. I think I got a little loud there. It's been a month, folks. Come on. Number two, selfish interest rejects God's truth and hurts others. Now, let's be honest. You knew this. You knew that. Deep down, you knew this. Probably not deep down. You know they say on the back burner, you know, put it on the back burner or in the back of your mind. Tell you what, front burner, front of your mouth, tip of your tongue, you knew this already. Well, yeah, Scott, I mean, half your fill-ins every week are pretty simple and I kind of already knew. Yeah, because we need reminders, right? When you think you're being smart, when you think you're being wise, you got to ask yourself the question, is this actually God's truth, where the Spirit is leading, and what's it doing to other people? One of the easiest things you can do is turn from the truth and hurt other people. I could do it right now with the chair. Here, I could do it with this right here. This is my coffee. I could just throw it on somebody right now. Boom. Super easy. How much time does it take for me to act in truth and help someone? A lot more time than throwing a cup of coffee, right? It's an investment. It takes time. Uh, negative happens super fast, and it's super easy. Positive takes time, effort, and commitment. You just say that uh, negative news travels seven times faster through social, through media, through people, right? And what do we have in all our media? Negative, right? Selfish interest regret, rejects God's truth and hurts others. And may we never do it. Amen. Uh, lastly, pure wisdom serves people over yourself. Love your neighbor. <laughs> you, know, you know this. They asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Well, right? He quotes the Shema, the famous phrase that uh, all of Judaism recited for generations and generations. And then he says, and there's another one like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now you've heard that a hundred times or more. I want you to hear something different this morning. There's another like it. What are you saying? To love your neighbor is actually like loving God. I have always felt like those were two different things and they were very different. Jesus says, no, they're like each other. They are similar. Ooh. Is it possible to separate those? No. 
it's not. Well, I believe in church, but I don't want to go. I, I, I went to church long enough. I know everything there is to you know. I'm vested in other things. <clears throat> Wrong. Hunter Real Christian Survey, top five answers on the board. <clears throat> You're not there. We're called to fellowship. We're called to worship. Now, I want to clarify something. I'm not talking about watching online during a pandemic or on a vacation. I, I was weird. I was, um, you guys started this morning, and I, I turn on my YouTube each morning, 9 o'clock. It's running on the computer right now. Um, and I was getting it running, and, and bum, 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 bum. I am amazed. Guys, online, love you. There's more of you than I realized. Congratulations, and that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm, I mean, you're trying to invest in a church and stay connected when outside influences are making it difficult. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is when we feel like we can go do our own thing. You know, the, one that bugs me the most, well, I, I, can't, I just can't find really a church. No, you could find 15 of them within five miles of here. You're the problem, not the church. Pick one of the 15 that you like and show up or watch online or do whatever you need to do. Wear a mask or don't. But pursue the Lord. What do you think you can be by yourself? You're missing half the commandment. Half the equation. One of the greatest things in math. I, I figured this out very young. When we started doing multiplication, right? Things were pretty good when it was pluses and minuses. I, I could handle that. Then we got into multiplication and division. And they can write division in multiple ways, right? In math, I figured this out. Because then you start throwing in decimals and it's like, how do you convert and the whole thing. When you have an equation and one of the things in the multiplication is zero, you don't have to do any math. Have you figured this out? You skip to the equal sign and you write Zero. Because zero times anything is zero. This is my favorite thing on test. I just go through, I'd look at all 20 questions. You got any of them that got zeros in them? Oh, here about zero, uh, zero, uh, zero. Sweet. I don't need to work on those three equations. I'm going to work on the other 17 and get a better grade. Guess who did well in math? Me. Because I had more time than the homeboy next to me. That's how it is with God. You start throwing out and putting zeros in part of his equation, what should you expect? Nothing. Kind of like nothing right now over zero. Pure wisdom serves people over yourself. Okay, now, I told you I'm a nerd. Deep down, when I grow up, I want to be a nerd. Um, look at the ones that you actually underlined. First one that you actually that are actually underlined the uh, the fill-ins, right? First one, come down from above. That's a command to you. The fill-ins right there. They fill in the sentence, but they're also a command to you. If you think you're wise and understanding, you're not following God, then come down from above because you're not above. I know it's cute. Whatever. Uh, 
The second one, I, I like too. Truth hurts. I like that one. Truth hurts. It's just pain. Put in the time, put in the energy, do what you need to do. And then lastly, serves yourself. That's how you know when you're in a mess, when you're serving yourself. Now you know it's been a month, and I've been too excited, had way too much time this week. Amen? Who do you serve? What wisdom are you chasing? That's the question. James tells us, God promises us, if you need to understand something, ask him. But take his answer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, for being back. Thanks for your word. Thanks, Lord, that whether I'm here or not, word happens here. Truth happens here. You happen here. And we're so thankful for all the pieces, all the people who fill different roles in our church's pursuit of who you are. Your truth, your wisdom, Lord, may we stay on that track. And then, Lord, uh, bless us. Give us direction. Give us your spirit. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who's lacking this, that feels that tug, I want, I want in on this. Help them to ask that question this morning of you. Make that request. God, I want you and your wisdom from this day forward. I follow you and your son. I believe in the death on the cross, the resurrection. I accept forgiveness of sin and I trust you, Lord, from this day forward. If that's you, online or here, we want to know. We want to help you. Lord, we thank you for all this. For this offering we're about to receive, Lord, pray you bless it and the church to do your work. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we get to where his grace holds us? May you conduct yourself in the wisdom that is from above. Amen? Go with him.